Welcome, good morning, it's good to see you all. Uh, real quick, grab your phone. It's time to make someone's day. Now, since we are a church not simply in one location, but many, all our family and friends joining us online, again, welcome and good morning. Grab your phones as well. I'm going to invite you to grab your phone, and we're going to do a little digital howdy to some folks. I'm going to give you 30 seconds to either text a hi to someone or to give a social distance salute to someone here in the room. Ready? You got 30 seconds, go for it. Some of you are still going, it's too short. I need more time. What's funny, uh, I was talking to Bart Hardison, one of our elders, and uh, he's, a, he's a brilliant guy for a number of reasons, but, uh, but he is prepared. He already had started, like he knew we were going to do this, so he had already started getting some prepped to be able to say, I love you, I'm thinking about you, God is good. And I was like, man, I love the idea of showing up prepared to church. Isn't that a good way to come? Even if it is to send a big howdy. Again, it's good to see you all this morning. And to all our family joining us online, we love you. We miss you. Now listen, church, we do this often. And and I'm just going to ask you, since many people want to be here, but for health or other concern reasons cannot be here, can we make an obnoxiously loud round of applause welcoming our church family at their homes? Would you just join me? We're just glad. So... It's good to be together, even if we're separated. And again, thank you for that video as well. So today, part two, start somewhere. You say, so where are we going to start? Well, let's start with where we ended last week. The big idea is simply this. One of the things you and I all have in common is that we all, but we all have a past, don't we? This is a yes. We all have a past, right? Another thing we all have in common is we all have a future Correct? Anyone? Yes? No? No future? Yes, a future? Some of you, I don't know. Have you seen the world? I don't know. Yes, we have a past. We also have a future. The thing that we are going to talk about this morning, though, is what do you do right where you are? And that's what this whole point has been about, that starting somewhere is so, so important because sometimes the hardest step is the first step. And the big idea from these two weeks, from this little letter and one little chapter within this one little letter of Philippians is simply this idea. Go ahead and put this on screen. You have to start somewhere, and you know this, if you want to get anywhere. You have to start somewhere if you want to get anywhere, whatever that may be. If you want to get a degree, you've got to start somewhere with a first class. If you want to have children, you've got to start somewhere. All the men said, amen. If you want to, some of you got that. If you want to uh, succeed in business, you have to start somewhere. You have to make the first sale. You have to process the first invoice. You have to start somewhere. And what is true in all other areas of life is true in the life of the Christ follower. And I know some of you joining us online, you may not yet be a follower, and that's okay. What we're going to talk about today, I think, is eminently practical for everyone. But 
If you are a follower of Jesus, I want you to lean in close this morning. Because what we're going to talk about, I believe, is valuable. Not only for what you're going to deal with in a week, month, or year, but what you're going through right now. But before we get into it, let's look and listen to what the Apostle Paul says in Philippians chapter 3. We'll begin in verse 10. And as always, you can look at the Holy Bible on the screen if needed. Paul says this, I want to say these two words really loudly with me, know Christ and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of in sharing in his suffering, becoming like him in his death. And so somehow to attain to the resurrection from the dead. Not, I love this, everyone say not, not that I have already obtained all this. Now what is it that he's saying? Before we go on, let's get context. He says, what I want more than anything else, the future that I desire, when I think about my five-year plan, my 10-year plan, my 100-year plan, you say, 100 years, you'd be dead. No, no, no. My one-year, 10-year, 100-year plan is to know Christ deeper and deeper. Quick question, what will you be doing one million years from today, church? You'll be doing something. Paul says, I know what I want it to be for me. I want to know Christ more deeply. He says, but I've not already obtained this or have already been, notice this, made perfect. I'm not there yet. I'm in the process, but I'm not there. But I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. He then goes on to say, brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself to have yet taken hold of it, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind me and straining toward what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize. What's the prize again? It's to know Christ. I press on towards that goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. Now, jump down with me to verse 20 and 21. He ends the chapter with these words. But, brothers and sisters, our citizenship is in heaven. And we eagerly await a Savior from there, the Lord Jesus Christ, who, by the power that enabled him to bring everything under his control, will transform our lowly bodies so that they will be like his glorious body. There's a lot in there, and we're just going to scratch the surface today, but I want you to lean in close as we dive in. But listen, just the words that I say will not change any of our hearts. The Spirit of God does that work. So will you join me in prayer and invite him in? Holy God, we thank you for the gift of your word and for the word incarnate, Jesus Christ. We want to know him. And for those who may be kicking the tires of faith. I pray that Jesus would become so real and attractive that all who hear this and hear of his name would say, I want to know Christ. We pray this in Jesus' name through the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Now, before I give you the big so what, I want to take you back to a moment that happened some years ago in the life of the organization NASA. How many of you are space buffs or you like all things to do with space? Oh, I love outer space. A few years ago, a number of years ago, NASA ran into a bit of a problem. Uh, They found out that, well, the, the pens that they tried to write with in outer space would not work in zero G. Apparently, you need 
gravity to be able to pull the ink down to the tip of the pen so that you're able to apply it to the page. And they couldn't do it. They couldn't figure out how to do it. So like all or many large government agencies, they decided to pay a lot of money to get a consulting firm to tell them how to do it. And so they brought in this agency, this company, and over the next 10 years, this company spent $12 million trying to figure out how to do this. And after 10 years, $12 million, they figured out how to do it. They produced a pen that you could write with upside down, right side up, underwater. You could do it on almost any surface, including crystal, in extreme heat and cool. This thing was amazing. And that's what you get for 10 years and $12 million. That was the fix to the problem. A little time passes and the Russians have a similar problem. They go, what do we do? How do we write in our space? And one of their astronauts said, why don't we just use a pencil? <laughs> 10 years, $12 million and a pencil you can buy for 15 cents. The difference was one group was focused on the problem and someone else was focused on the simple solution. Hey, what would it look like? And what I think Paul's going to drive into our hearts this morning is what would it look like if you and I, instead of fixating on and focusing on all the problems and all of the things that are legitimate, don't get me wrong, all of the challenges, he's, he's going to press us and say, what if instead we focus on the solution? See, a lot of us, I think, are stuck where we are because we've focused so much on the problem. A lot of us, as Christians, have looked around and said, I'm not where I want to be. I- I'm not who I want to be. And I know, and maybe you know, the frustration of trying to take a step forward only to find yourself taking two or three steps backwards later that very same day. And we see this and we go, oh, how do I fix the problem? What what do I do different? And Paul says, if you got to start somewhere, it's as simple as starting here. And he says it to us. It's very simple. Two things. He says this. He says, I'm going to focus on my direction And I'll let God ensure my perfection. I'm going to focus on my direction and I'll let God deal with the perfection. For me, often as Josh digs, I want to focus on the problems, why I'm not perfect, where I'm failing, what I need to do different. Instead, Paul says, don't worry about the perfection. You focus step by step, day by day on the direction. And did you see in verse 20 and 21, he says our citizenship is in heaven and when we get there, God himself will make us like him. Perfect. Perfect bodies. Perfect. Boy, I got to tell you, when I get there, I'm customizing my heavenly body order. Don't you know what I'm talking about here? I got, I've, got, I've got it all figured out, the size, the shape. I'm going to have muscles in places that on earth you can't even have muscles. It's going to be amazing. But see, God does not call me to worry about my perfection. He says, Josh, you focus on your daily direction. And Paul's going to say, if you don't know where to start, start with your direction. I want to give you three real quick, very practical things here why I think this is so important and powerful for this moment in your life and in our lives as a church. Here's the first one. 
Focusing on your direction will keep you humble and hopeful. It'll keep you humble and hopeful. This is a mature mindset is what Paul calls it. In verse 15, he says, listen to me. Look at this. He says, all of us who are, say this word really loud with me on the count of three. One, two, three, mature. Those of us who are mature should have such a view of things. Well, what view is that, Paul? Well, that we have a clear destination, but not only that, that we recognize our direction is our job and our perfection is God's job. That your maturing in Christ will lead you to a greater realization that your direction is what you focus on and it leads to greater humility because you go, well, I'm not yet where I want to be. By the way, let's just, let's just see, moment of honesty, join us at home or wherever you are, raise your hand as well, but just would you be honest, uh, anyone in here who is not where they want to be, can I see some hands? Maybe you're saying, I'm not the husband I want to be, any husbands who'd say that? Uh, any wives say, I'm not the wife I want to be, any wives say that? Any parents or any friends or any Christ he says, this is for all of us. We're not there yet, so it keeps us humble. But he says, it also keeps us hopeful because, notice this, he says, and if on some point you think differently, that too, notice who's changing you, God will make clear to you. Do, Do you notice this, that it's God who's willing and working and doing the things to change you from the inside out, that as you pursue him, as you make progress, he gives the perfection. So it keeps us humble, but it also keeps us hopeful, meaning I'm not where I want to be, but thank God I'm not where I was. Is anyone else grateful that you are not today where you were yesterday? And some of you are going, actually, I kind of took a step back today. Did you hear the fight my wife and I had on the way here? Hey, listen, it's about your direction over the years, not your immediate perfection. Doesn't this give you a little bit of peace? means today you don't have to knuckle it up and kind of figure it out you simply do what paul does you fix your eyes on jesus the writer of hebrews will say the author and perfecter of our faith and you walk after him focus on your direction and god himself will ensure your perfection number two not only will it keep you humble and hopeful But he'll also say this very important phrase, if you are focusing on direction, not perfection, then what this means is every person right now is a potential leader. Every person is a potential leader right now, not later. See, here's the thing. If you have to be perfect to lead, then we all are out of luck. Can I get an oh yeah from anyone? I mean, if I've got to be perfect to lead my children, then I'm never going to take the responsibility to train them to love and know Jesus Christ. Uh, If I'm responsible for being perfect, then I will never lovingly lead my wife and humbly try to care for her as Christ cares for me. Unless we recognize that you don't have to be perfect to lead, none of us will lead. We'll actually outsource leading those people God has entrusted to us. And that's why the church is a supplement, parents. It is not a substitute for the parents. You bring your kids and we love on them. We partner with you. We've got online content and we will do what we can to help you. But God has put you as the leader in your home, parents. Students, right now, you are leaders. If you love Jesus, you can lead right now. 
And I love, and I, I mean, some of these young people who are up here, and I see others throughout here, even this little one right there, she's leading attention right now. I love it. By the way, bring your kids to church. While we're in this little weird season, I just want to tell you right now, don't you dare not come because you're afraid your kids will interrupt service. We love the sound of little kids in our church. Because, by the way, living things make noise. And it's good. So, so here's the thing. If, if I don't have to be perfect to lead, then that means anyone can lead at any moment. It's simply, which direction are you facing? Uh, let, let me give you an example of that. Hey, um, Miss Aniston, can I get your help? Come up here. And uh, Mr. Keith, would you come here as well? Let's do this, okay? Now, I'm going to step back a little bit, but Aniston, you step here, right, on this little blue thing. You stand on that little blue thing right there. Now, here's the way we typically do this, right, actually. We're trying to social distance in a tight space, so bear with me here. So here's the way we typically think of things. Age, experience, wisdom, muscles, whatever, are necessary for leadership. We assume there's a certain level, correct? And so often what happens is Keith, face that way, Keith, for me, would you? Okay. Keith says, because I am older, more mature, and he is, therefore Aniston, follow him. So Aniston, you face him. Now, okay. You can walk in place if you want. Let's see those legs move. Come on. There we go. Well, those are little steps, but they'll work. Okay. Yeah, there we go. Okay. But here, here, here's the reality. Here's the reality. Although Keith may be able to travel faster than Aniston because he has bigger legs, more muscles, greater lung capacity, all those things, the reality is she too, if she has but feet, can lead the way as well. Amen? Uh, In fact, if she just turns around, she can simply say, follow me, and Keith then can do that as well. He can follow her. Here's the reality. So many of us are waiting for someone to to lead us when God has said, you lead someone else. Are you kidding? I just, I just came to faith. I just learned about God. I just gave my life to him. I was just baptized. I can't lead anyone. Listen, listen, listen. All it takes to lead is to go from here to here, and now you can lead someone. Do you see the difference, church? It does not require perfection to lead. Church, this is such good news. You want to know where to start? Start today by daily finding the direction. Don't worry about your perfection. You focus on the daily direction and God over time will lead to your perfection. Thank you guys. You may be seated. Give them a hand, please, if you will. Now, this is what Paul actually says. Notice his next phrase here. Put this up on screen. Join with others in following my example. Why? Because Paul's perfect. See, anyone who thinks Paul is perfect has not read the previous verses where he gives his religious resume, including that he killed and persecuted the Christians. Paul was not perfect, but Paul was in process. And Paul had fixed his eyes on the new direction, and because he knew the direction, he no longer concerned himself with self-justified perfection. He could trust God to give him what he needed. Isn't this good news? Here's a third thing. Third thing is this, direction matters. Direction matters, and you know this. Uh, Have you ever, this is one of those embarrassing moments, have you ever had one of those moments where maybe you're caravanning somewhere and you're in the lead vehicle? Uh, Any of you ever just, we'll just stop with that so far. Any of you caravan and you're the lead vehicle? Anyone at all? Uh, Yeah, okay. Growing up, I was homeschooled. I'm sorry, I was homeschooled. And so, 
My mom, we would go on little field trips. I love homeschoolers. We do that at home still some, and I love it, okay? But my mom, we would go on field trips with all these other homeschool families, and instead of the big yellow bus or whatever mass transportation unit, we would all hop into our vehicle, and we would caravan downtown. Now, Nashville has grown a lot since then, but even then, it was a little confusing, I remember one day, and I don't think she's watching online, sorry mom, but if she is, so one day we were driving along and she has a row of people following her, but she didn't pay attention to the sign and it wasn't until a police officer explained it to us that we were going down a one-way street the wrong way. See, it wasn't just that her direction impacted her, it impacted everyone traveling with her. See, it's not simply that we focus on a direction, but family, we've got to focus on the right direction. It is not simply that we just go anywhere, but we have to be going somewhere that Paul would say, it's not just about walking around in circles, but you need to walk towards something. In fact, how many of us know that every drive has a destination? Or to put it this way, every place or every direction that you go will ultimately have a destination. You want to know where you're going tomorrow? Look where your feet are pointing today. If you don't like where you're going, turn around. I love what C.S. Lewis says just actually after the first service. Evan shared this with me. I thought it was great. C.S. Lewis makes this, says this. He says, we, are all, we all want progress, but if you're on the wrong road, progress means doing an about turn and walking back to the Right road. In that case, the man who turns back soonest is the most progressive. That to go not just a way, but the way is what Paul calls us into. Because how many of us know that the road to hell is paved with good intentions? Paul, in fact, is going to say there's only two directions at the end of life. There's two directions. There's citizenship with God in heaven or, as he says, through tears, he says there's another direction and you cannot simply say, I'm making direction. It has to be in the right direction. Paul puts it this way. He says, for as, often, as I have often told you before and now say, and right now as I'm writing this, right now I say, even with tears, he's writing this with tears in his eyes. He says, many live as enemies of the cross of Christ. And he goes on to say, their destiny is destruction. Why? Well, because their God is their stomach, meaning their desires, they let whatever they desire, their cravings control their behaviors. Their glory is their shame, meaning they no longer feel shame over what they've done. Their minds are on earthly things. In other words, their focus is on things that are constantly moving around. They have no fixed points to follow. Have you noticed that people we often can get lost pretty easily? In fact, there's been a lot of research on this. Did you know that according to all the research that's been done, people cannot travel in a straight line for any length of time with their eyes closed or blindfolded? Did you know that? It's, it's been shown time and time again. In fact, in, 19, in the 1920s, there was a researcher named Asa Schaefer. Now, Asa 
had a friend. He said, I want to test this out. So he blindfolded his friend and said, you, walk that direction. You, go, go straight. Walk as straight as you can. And his friend did. Now, here is a map showing the route that his friend took. He began going pretty well. But over time, blindfolded, he began to get off course and started to curve. Now, in a moment... He's going to turn back over the road he came on, and he's going to continue to circle around and around and around until he hit a stump and fell over. He thought he was going the right way, but he was lost. There's another situation. Three men leave a barn early on a foggy morning, and they're planning on going on a little trip through the fog. Now, this is where they're coming from. This is where they're planning on going. As they go from there, same situation. They start off straight and begin to curve around and around until... They ended up back home. Interesting enough. Third situation. Some friends got a guy blindfolded and said, Hey, jump in that lake and see if you can swim straight. This is his path. And we never heard from him again. Just kidding. He's okay. Last one. In 1928, in Kansas, they put a guy behind the seat of a car in an empty, open, flat field, blindfolded him and said, drive straight. Here's his path. He thought he was going straight. Isn't it interesting? Time and time again. In fact, in 2009, the same thing was brought up by a researcher named Jan Suman, I believe. He's a German researcher, and he did a paper showing that people cannot walk in a straight line if they can't see where they're going. It happens every, every time. Over enough distance, we begin to wander. Now, we don't know why. Some people think, well, is it because of right-handedness, left-handedness? Is it because one leg is longer than the other, or, and so you kind of walk in big circles? I mean, you know, what, what's going on? What causes all this? All we know is this. Without a fixed point of reference, something that you're watching that is not moving, without that, you won't know where you're going. You need a mountain, or you need the moon, or the sun. You need something to guide your direction. See, it's not enough to simply say, I am going a good direction, or I'm just making progress. See, here's the deal. If you're going the wrong way, it's not progress, it's regress. I need to speak just very plainly here. There's this myth going around our culture that says all roads lead to the same place. Folks, that doesn't work on MapQuest. That doesn't work when it comes to interacting with people. It doesn't work at all. The truth is, there is such a thing as the truth. And Jesus already laid claim to it. He says, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. In other words, it doesn't matter that you're making great time if you're going the wrong way. Paul says, I press on towards the goal. I have my fixed point of reference. And Jesus Christ is so good. He's so grand. And I love how Paul, who's in this prison, that's a problem. And he says, I don't know what to do about it. I can't get out. I can't preach. I can't teach. I can't plant churches. What do I do? I can't focus on all the end results. All I can do is focus today, putting one foot in front of the other. I will focus my direction. And I trust God that he will ensure my perfection. So real quick, as we're coming into the final moments here, let's just talk for a moment here, just you and me. 
I just want you to consider for a moment two questions. Number one, which direction are your feet pointing today? Just, just which direction? For some of us, our feet need to turn around. And, and it's not even a matter of taking another step or a step after that. It's just today. Could we, just today, maybe God's calling us to humbly, honestly say, I, I can't do it without you, Jesus. I've been looking at all these other things. I've been watching politics, and they're not leading me the way I want to go. I've been listening to the media, and they're not taking me the way I want to go. I've been listening to the different opinion polls and even the perspectives of other nice people, but God, they are not a substitute for you. Where do you want me to go? And today, maybe for many of us, the one step, the one change is simply to focus on a new direction. In a moment, some of our elders will be out here at the prayer banner in the lobby and they will want to pray with you. If there's anything you need, they will pray with you. They will help you take your next step. But for others of us, it's not just which direction are your feet pointing, but are you getting after it? I mean, are you in this season still getting after it? When the whole world feels like it is shut down, when things are not moving as quickly or as easily, when things are kind of just weird because we got face masks on in church... Are you getting after it? Are you saying, I'm going for it. Jesus is worth it. I'm going to go daily after him. Not just every few days, not once a week, not just on Sundays, but every day I'm going after Jesus. Which way are your feet pointing and are you getting after it? Listen, when you don't know where to start, you can start here. Focus on your direction, church. And the beautiful promise is that Christ himself living in you will work on your perfection until the day that you see him face to face.